almost noon time, so I'm going to say good morning for right now. And tune in to another episode of A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. Yours truly, Anthony Smith. It is Friday. And there's a lot to talk about. I mean... Seem like each day we are looking at how close are we to a new Washington football team. Other headlines, Giants Posey ops out citing newborn's health. Dukes Cutcliffe favors only conference games. Big Ten going to conference only slate this fall. I mean, there's a lot going on in the world of sports at the same time. There's not a lot going on in the world of sports, especially when you look at the situation where the Big Ten going to conference only slate this fall. You just wonder how long before other teams do the same thing or how many programs are saying, you know what, it's not worth it. We're not going to even have a season. I mean, you look at even the landscape at historically black college and university. Morehouse has scrapped this fall season already. Uh, The Southern Heritage Classic canceled. And you just wonder how long before it is in certain regions, there's no football season. Now, I'm here in Wichita, Kansas, because I realize there are some of you who may hear this podcast that's in other parts of the region where y'all have football. Well, we have a campus called Wichita State University. I'm pretty sure some of y'all have heard that university. They play good basketball. It was on the verge of playing good baseball. It was riding a 12-game winning streak until COVID-19 his ugly head and brought what could have been a magical season to an abrupt ending. Well, come on, I didn't mention anything about football. We haven't had football since 1987. We're used to that. But can other parts of the country, even if it's temporary, get used to hearing the words, there will be no football season. I am very fortunate today because joining me here in a few minutes on my podcast will be a young man here in Wichita who has made his name. He's a head football coach at a good football school. I call it running back high school because they have produced some darn good running backs over the past few years. As a matter of fact, one of them is making a name for himself at Iowa State. His name is Brees Hall. That right there should be a hint within itself. And calling into the show right now is Coach Steve Martin. Coach, how are you doing this morning? 
Man, I'm doing great, and I'm very honored to have you join me on this podcast. I was just kind of giving the outlay, and without spilling the beans, who was calling me because I wanted everybody, when they hear this, to be surprised that, hey, we know this guy, but I was telling them that the school that you coach, I aptly name it Running Back High School because y'all have y'all have produced some stellar running backs, and I would just let them know one of them right now is at Brees Hall. So without further ado, I want to introduce to y'all Coach Steve Martin, coach of Running Back High, Northwest High Grizzlies. And Coach, I'm going to let you tell people a little bit more about yourself, how you got your start in coaching, and how you've progressed to where you're at right now. Mm-hmm. You know, you wanted to prove people wrong. And so 
at the time, the only head coaching job that was open, me and my wife, Natalie, were going to get married two weeks uh, later after we got passed up for that job. And I had to get outside my comfort zone and just start applying everywhere from Texas, Oklahoma, Missouri, Nebraska, Colorado, anywhere that would hire me. The only interview I got was a small town up in uh, northeastern Kansas called Troy High School. Okay. And uh, I didn't know any background about Troy High School um, until I got the job and figured out that I walked into a blue-collar town very similar to Andale that I grew up in the time and uh, had a lot of great kids that really carried a rookie 22-year-old head coach and uh, really got his feet wet in the game. So I was up in Troy for four years as a head coach, and uh, after my fourth year, my mom passed away on Thanksgiving morning, and uh, at the time, I had three kids. And my kids did not get to be around their family. And I wanted to make a sacrifice to get back to family here in the Wichita area. And it just so happens the only person that would interview me was a good friend of mine, Rick Wheeler, at Wichita Heights High School for a defensive coordinator job. And, uh, you know, since then, we've we've been involved in a lot of state title games since my time in the City League. I was involved in the three years I was at Heights. I was the defense coordinator. We were in the state title game three years in a row. Um, won one and lost two, and that propelled me to my job at Northwest. And, you know, we've been in two state title games back-to-back years here, and, you know, we keep coming up short, but, you know, we have a lot of talent, and hopefully we can get it done this year if we can get back there. Exactly. So that's, that's a quick That's a quick background of who I am, sir. And, and, I, and I remember you being on that staff at Heights, and the thing that we had to get used to around here was saying Heights football state titles because Heights also has another nickname and it's called Hollywood Heights but Heights was known for basketball and to put a state title winning team and compete for state at Heights what was the formula for that? Well the formula was Rick Wheeler Um, Rick had done a great job of building a team within the and building his team around his athletes. And, you know, uh, I, I, I know, if, you know, Rick can speak for himself, but, you know, back in the day, he started out his early career as a blue-collar guy that got passed up for the job at Heights. And so one of the things that always drove Rick was not getting the Heights job the first time around. And, you know, he had a chip on his shoulder, something to prove. And I think he taught his kids and the players to play like that, you know, and, and morphing that offense from an I-style to a uh, shotgun with Cameron Castle and throwing the ball all over the place, you know, and I remember him talking to Randy Dryling, and Randy Dryling told him, you know, you're more able to find a quarterback like mine in the Hutch style at tights than you are a uh, going to find a shotgun, dual threat, throw it type quarterback. And so, you know, I, I, I applaud Rick for really changing his mindset to go into flex bone because at, at heights at the time, there was not a shortage of running backs um, with Daniel DeShazer, um, you know, Dream of Smith. I mean, the, the stocks, the stockades were loaded there. And I think bringing that, that style that everybody was going to touch the ball and, you know, if you can block for each other in that family atmosphere and hard-nosed coaching that we were able to do, I thought was the thing that got them over the top because I'm not so sure – that one of the best teams in history didn't win a state title, and that's 04 with uh, Atwater and those guys. Mm-hmm. And then uh, in 07 
with uh, Dorian Roberts and all those guys in 08, those teams were stacked. Yeah. And and I think this team atmosphere and this team style of offense that we were running with the flex bone and then having a crippling speed defense was the thing that was able to get us over the top and really, really start hammering some things away there. Okay. So now you move on to Northwest. <laughs> and I, yeah. I got some ties because of, I actually went to Northwest. I ended up graduating from West. But if I'm correct, you came into Northwest after Western Sharks decided to go back to West High School, right? Yes, sir. Yep. And so this is this so, will be my ninth year at Northwest. So basically, you walked into a situation following the guy who's a pretty darn good coach and a good guy himself. But he was also more than just a coach. He was also like a father figure. So when you walked into that situation, what did you bring without too much breaking the chemistry of what Western Sharks? Because I know each coach have their own thing. But what is your approach to players? Because his approach is he's that father figure for maybe a lot of players that grew up without a father. So what's your approach to these players nowadays? Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, you, you don't really think about stuff when you're a young coach. You know, at the time, I think I was 29 when I took the head coaching job at Northwest. And you just get excited to go have your own program now, you know. And you didn't, you don't think about the, one of the legends that you followed, you know, because Weston Sharks is a legend here in the State League, and he will he will die that way, and he's going to continue to bring that legacy over at Cape. And, and you know, you're right. You know, those, those are the things that what people don't give Weston a lot of credit for in the coaching ranks is that, you know, I don't think Weston's always about winning. Uh, Weston is always about caring for kids and being there for his kids down the road, not just the four years that he, they play for him. Um, I can always see the comments uh, that people make on his post, you know, from guys that played for him back in the early 80s, mid 80s, and the early 90s. So, you know, with that said, you know, I've always considered myself a player's coach. I, I, I don't, I know I'm 39 years old now. But I still remember when I played in high school, and I liked our guys having fun. So, you know, if you'd walk out to a practice um, on our field, the music's blaring. You know, my kids pick whatever playlist they want to listen to. And, you know, I, I'm those, one of those guys that I want to fight tooth and nail for my kids because this is the promise that I make every parent. This is the promise that I make every kid that they step in the Northwest is that if you play for me for all four years, I got your back. You know what? Because I know – the type of man that you're going to be if you follow exactly what we do with our culture and we always talk about six strong we talk about all our pillars that we bring we feel like you know these are the things that come out of our program because we coach them hard and so you know it, it was more it's probably more of a tough love but it's also one of those things where i can have those guys come into my office and i can joke around with them like i'm a 22 23 year old mm-hmm. kid again um, because that's that's what this game does for me it keeps me young at heart and uh, we love being around our kids. All right. With that being said, now, like I say, I've tapped Northwest's running back high school. And <laughs> you, you've had some talented running backs. Uh, and it's kind of hard to preference these names because I know there's been some tragedy with the Northwest family to the point where y'all have even uh, retired a jersey number, which I think is almost unprecedented throughout the G-Wall, the Greater Wichita Athletic League, but you've had two doses of the round, brothers. You've had Brees Hall, and I'm pretty sure there's another, some more that I haven't mentioned. What is it about Northwest that breeds these running backs that are good enough to be noticed, not just regionally, but 
nationally? Well, the, the thing that we do often, now I can't speak for the past because we've had had, you know, running back you at Northwest was not just when Steve Martin showed up. I'll tell you that. We, you know, DMAC, um, you know, those guys, Trotter, those big time city league named guys that were, were up on the top leader rank before Bryce Brown blew up those records um, over at East High. But, you know, Northwest, for whatever it is, has always had those dynamic backs. And so for us, with this new age coming in 2012, um, I had a running back by the name of Deron Thompson, and then I had a running back by the name of Christian Sanders. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I didn't want to uh, have people in the box with those guys. So when I took over at Northwest, instead of bringing over the system that I played high school in and, and coaching for Rick under in the flex zone, is I wanted to start spreading out these guys and letting these guys start creating opportunities for themselves. And so, you know, we wanted to study and simulate some guys that were having success in college. And, you know, one of the best things that ever was told to me is, Coach, with all your athletes, get the fast guys the ball in space. And so with that presence, that's how we've built our offenses around it. And so all we've done is gotten our kids in the right system to produce. I didn't make I didn't make a Deron Thompson. I didn't make a Keyshawn McGaw. I didn't make a Brees Hall or a Roy uh Johnson. I didn't make it Julius Bolden. But what we've done is we've been able to hone these guys in and really tap into their skill set to bring out that eliteness out of them. You know, I, I would read Brees Hall still be a Division One running back if he is in a different system. I think the uncanny for a kid. But what we did teach Brees is that he had to do things the right way all the time or those things were going to hurt him in the end. And I think if Brees got on here, you know, or a Roy or a Duran or a Keyshawn or even Julius is that, you know, we have some certain rules that let them be elite. And because of the system that we run and the way we teach them how to run our system has really opened up a lot of opportunities for the guys, for these guys. Okay. Now with the landscape of the way things are shaping up in today's world, as we see it, and even at the college level, we've seen like the Southern heritage classic. It's been canceled. Morehouse College, they have canceled their football season in their fall sports. The Big Ten is going to conference-only games. What is the landscape of the city looking like this year? Because the one game that everybody looks forward to, packed house, whether it's at Northwest or whether it's at Bishop Carroll Family Stadium, we look forward to that first game of the year, Northwest versus Bishop Carroll. But what is the landscape going to look like with all the CDC guidelines and how is high school sports shaping up to look this year, football-wise? Well, if you have any tips or if you've heard from the directors at Keisha, I would love for you to fill me in because, you know, we're in limbo. You know, that's the thing is we're in limbo. Uh, uh, right now at Northwest High School, we're planning to play game one on September 6th, you know, or 7th, whatever that date is. Um, but I just think there's a whole lot of things that could get in between the way of making that happen. Now, you know, I hate to – take away that atmosphere but just so my seniors and juniors can play if we have to play without a crowd i'm all for it i want my guys to be given that opportunity to go out and play because here's what i'm not for i'm not for switching the seasons from fall to spring mm -hmm. because now we've taken away the spring season again from those kids that need that opportunity you know we with those kids in spring already got that taken away from them and so if we flip it again, and now we're saying you can't play football or volleyball,
volleyball or whatever in the fall and we're moving to the spring, well, why can baseball now, why can soccer and them participate in the fall? So, you know, there's some good arguments on both sides. Yes, no, but, you know, I, I'm looking at stats and, you know, for anybody listening, I don't want to discredit COVID-19. You know, I believe it is something that is real. I don't believe it's a, a fox, as, as some of our leadership said at the beginning of this. But, you know, I, I think we're going to have to learn to live with this. And it's something that I don't want people to be afraid of, you know, and that's why I'm wearing a mask. I just got back from Dylan and mm-hmm. I, do I want to wear a mask? No. Do I believe that mask that I'm wearing is helping me? No. But if I can do my part to help do that so my kids can be in their classroom and so my son can go hang out with his friends in school and my kids can participate and play in athletics and the kids that are in the Northwest program can play the game they love at foot, the football game and be able to play the fish and carols of the world, absolutely, I will do whatever I can to be able to make that happen. Well, Coach, I will say I enjoyed having you on this episode of my podcast, and I want to say go Grizzlies, and we're just going to go on them and say, all right, there's going to be a season. Your prediction. I, 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 your, I think right. so, too. I think we have to. Your prediction for who's going to win the City League title. Uh, right now, man, it's got it, it, it's right now looking at the landscape, you know, um, you know, Bishop Carroll and us got to be probably the head on favorites. I think East High is making some waves. Um, I think they're going to be a much improved football team. You know, I think Coach Dingle at Heights' team is going to be there. But the sleeper that everybody needs to look out for is Western Sharks taking over at Capen. Capen, yes. Because what happened was is Capen was very, very young last year. And they have some very, very talented kids. And you can see them showing up in the top three very soon uh, this year. All right. Well, Coach, I thank you for joining me. And we'll have to do this again. Maybe we can do it after the first game of the season, get a recap on that Bishop Cal versus Yeah, absolutely. I would Uh, love to come on and talk golf. All right. Once again, Rick, uh, once again, Coach Steve Martin, coach of the Northwest Grizzly football program. Coach, once again, I do thank you. We'll do this again. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Yes, that was Coach Steve Martin, head coach of Northwest Grizzlies High School football team. And I will come back with some more. So stay tuned. You're talking sports with the A-Train. Okay, and I'm back, and uh, we have another uh, situation here. Some of you may be following Zion Williamson's situation. Well, it is said that Zion Williamson's stepfather took 400000 payment. Zion Williamson's stepfather solicited and accepted a $400,000 payment from a marketing agent in October 2018 prior to Williamson's only season with the Duke Blue Devils. According to a court motion and sworn affidavit filed by his former marketing representatives, attorneys in federal court on Thursday, Gina Ford's attorney says the affidavit and other exhibits show that Williamson was ineligible when he played for the Blue Devils in 2018-19 because his father, Lee Anderson, received impermissible benefits from 
Slavko Durek, a Canadian marketing agent. We obtained newly discovered evidence impacting the issue of whether Zion Williamson was a student athlete that we believe makes it transparently clear, verifiable and indisputable that he was not a student athlete long before there was any communication or contact between Zion Williamson and or any third party acting on his behalf. And our client's forward attorney, Alvin Pittman, wrote in a letter to Williamson's attorney on Monday. The alleged agreements and driver's license attached to these papers are fraudulent, and neither Mr. Williamson nor his family know these individuals nor had any dealings with them. Williamson's attorney, Jeffrey Klein, said in a statement to ESPN. We had previously alerted Ms. Ford's lawyers to both this fact and that we had previously reported the documents to law enforcement as forgeries, but they chose to go ahead with another frivolous filing anyway. This is a desperate, irresponsible attempt to smear Mr. Williamson at the very time he has the opportunity to live his dream of playing professional basketball. Exhibits attached to the motion include an affidavit from Donald Kress, a Los Angeles-based entrepreneur who says he engages in fundraising, deal-making, and investing. Kreese said he was introduced to Durek by a third party and agreed to invest in Durek's company, Maximum Management Group, in exchange for a percentage of the money generated from his exclusive marketing agreement with Williamson. In the affidavit, Kreese wrote that after Williamson signed with Creative Artist Agency, CAA, to handle his marketing opportunities, he and Anderson agreed to repay all monies given to his family in 2018 and pay us 7 to $10 million. Kreese also wrote that Durek had to shred any record relating to payment of money and the contract between Wimson and MMG. The exhibits included a purported maximum agreement with Maximum Management Group that was allegedly signed by Williamson and Anderson on May 2, 2019, and a purported letter of declaration from December 8, 2019, in which Anderson and Williamson agreed to repay $500,000 Derek before January 7 for a repayment of a loan rendered by him to our family in October 10, 2018. Klein said in a letter to Pittman that a Google search revealed that Derek reportedly attempted to defraud Dallas Mavericks player Luka Doncic using a scheme in which he forged Doncic's and his mother's signatures on a contract. The signatures on the document you attach are also clearly fraudulent, Klein wrote in the letter. The signature on the purported agreement between Maximum Management Group and Mr. Williamson does not match Mr. Williamson's signature on the agreement he signed with your clients. And the signatures of Lee Anderson and Mr. Williamson on the letter of declaration are also inauthentic, as made clear by the fact that they are highly pixelated in comparison to the remainder of the document, and there is a break in the line beneath the Z in Mr. Williamson's name, where the signature was superimposed onto the document. Last month, according to the letter, Klein received a letter from a different individual who also might have fallen victim to Mr. Durek's scam, which contained the same allegations and documents.
we immediately referred the matter to the appropriate law enforcement officials and have passed along to them today the new allegations contained in Mr. Creese's declaration, Klein wrote. Accordingly, we ask that you advise Mr. Creese of our position as to the contents of his sworn declaration. Virtually nothing in Mr. Creese's declaration comes from personal knowledge and instead consists of hearsay. Hearsay from Mr. Durick, so Mr. Creese may be unaware of the nature or, con or extent of Mr. Durick's scheme. Williamson's attorney have asked a federal judge in North Carolina to void his marketing agreement with Ford in prime sports marketing, claiming it wasn't valid because Ford wasn't a registered agent in the state and the contract didn't include a warning that was required by a state law designed to protect amateur athletes from unscrupulous agents. Ford and Prime Sports Marketing sued Williamson and CAA for $100 million in state court in Florida for Williamson's alleged breaching of their marketing agreement and signing with CAA. Last month, a state appeals court in Florida granted Williamson a full state of a civil lawsuit brought by Ford, meaning the New Orleans Pelican star won't have to answer discovery, won't have to answer discovery requests about whether his parents received improper benefits before or while he played one season at Duke, or at least not until after a federal case involving the same issue is resolved. So that is the case with Zion Williamson. Well, stay tuned, and I'll be back after this from my sponsor. Conference-only 
games. And we noticed that the Big Ten right now, they have decided, hey, we're going conference only. And yes, let's say it, this football season, what football season we do have, it's going to look drastically different. You're looking at some games being played possibly without fans in the stand, whereas you will see some games that will be played with maybe limited fans in the stands. But that is the time and era in which we are living in now with this pandemic known as the coronavirus. Duke football coach David Cutcliffe said he remains very optimistic there will be college football this season, but he doubts it will look much like a normal season due to the ongoing coronavirus pandemic. It's going to be disrupted, Cutcliffe said on a Zoom call Friday. I don't know if we'll get 12 games in or start on September the 5th. I don't think there's any way we're going to play without teams. At some point during the year, not being able to play. If you lose an entire offensive line to contact tracing, you can't play a game with that contingency. Duke football players returned to campus this weekend, and Cutcliffe said the school is working on finding ways to allow them to remain largely quarantined, but he expressed doubt that any foolproof solution was possible and worried whether other programs would commit to the same levels of virus mitigation as Blue Devils. For that reason, Cutcliffe said he is in favor of the ACC following the path of the Big Ten and moving to conference-only games, potentially playing more regionally with a possibility of playing the same opponent more than once. We'd all be better playing in our own leagues, Cutcliffe said, noting his opinion was not necessarily that of the school or the conference because of the complexities of canceling contracts for non-conference games. The flexibility of scheduling is far greater. There are 14 teams in our league, and all 14 can be held accountable. You can do everything in your power to keep your players healthy, but you can play one game and come is not done properly on the other side. So, I mean, you heard it prior to me coming in, you, and those are his comments. And like they said, there is no foolproof, you know, to this virus, you know. So, it, there's just a lot of protocols, a lot of ins and outs, do's and don'ts, and you can only be so careful, but if you're going to get this disease, you're going to get it, unfortunately. But I like the fact that they're trying to find a way to have a football season, even if it won't be a season that we're used to seeing. But we can take from this season and learn from it and try to move forward. Because the one thing I always say is, college football as opposed to the NFL, college football is more about the atmosphere. Clemson comes to mind when you talk about atmosphere. Especially, I know they do this even during the day game, but it's something about the night game that makes this atmosphere at Clemson even more special. 
It's a night game. The players have done their pregame warm-ups. They head to head through the tunnel. Go back to the locker room for one more talk. And then they all, the players and coaches all board the team bus. Meanwhile, this is being played out on a big jumbotron in the stadium. And the fans are anticipating this. But at the same time, the fans is already into a frenzy because they know what's going to happen. It's as if the bus can't get the players to that next destination. They're, they're looking at the barricade. You got you have the police motorcycle escort them around from the locker room to the stadium. And it's a slow escort. The anticipation is building. Once again, it's a night game. Now the bus makes it to its destination. The bus is because you have players and staff on there. The fans is watching this unfold. On the, it's like a, a drama movie unfolding before their very eyes. Then they get off the bus and they make their way not through the traditional tunnel, but they're coming down through the crowd. And each player touches this rock as they're coming down. And the place now that the players have entered the stadium are built, put into even a higher fever pitch, a higher frenzy. That's just one of the atmospheres. And you hate to see that taken away. But due to what we're going through in today's time, that's what we have to deal with. So as the old saying goes, and you'll probably get sick of this saying, but when life hands you lemon, make lemonade. And I believe that's what college football is trying to do. This is A Train Sports Talk Podcast with your host, Anthony Smith. I want to once again thank Steve Martin, head coach of Northwest High School Grizzlies, for being my guest. It couldn't have been what it has been had he not been on the show. So I want to thank him for being a guest on my show. I'll be back tomorrow. I'll have another guest on. I'll just give you his first name. His first name is Jason. But me and him shared the same studios that Rick Thomas did. So you want to check that out tomorrow. Until next time, take care of yourself and each other. God bless you and have a wonderful day.